This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Ages and Icons. I'm Mike Crisologo. And I'm Gina Bucci. Hey, Mike. Hey, Gina. So, um, hold on a second. I'm just adjusting your levels. Uh-oh. Oh, you sound good to me. Uh-oh. Okay. Peek behind the curtain. <laughs> Coming up will be a really cool interview that Mike had with Billy Baldwin. But first, we're going to get to an interview with none other than the Hoff, David Hasselhoff. Yeah. So it's a double header on Ages and Icons today. And even more so, a double header that you and I both interviewed David Hasselhoff. We tag team the Hoff. Yeah. It was good. That's right. We hoffed him. We did hoff him. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about the Hoff for a sec because we're going to start with him. Um, David Hasselhoff, as Gina mentions in the interview uh, to him, <laughs> directly asks him about, <laughs> is known for his campiness. He's known for his campy style. Uh, you look at his career from The Young and the Restless. So he started out you know, on that show as a soap actor mm-hmm. through Knight Rider, hugely famous Knight Rider show. the best. Knight Rider, amazing. Gina's a huge fan. Mike and I both gushed over the fact that we had Knight Rider uh, tricycles. Yeah, as kids. <laughs> we, and now we're talking to... The man from the show yep. himself. But he's the show's about him talking, his sidekick to a talking car. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Baywatch, where he's just running in slow motion with all these beautiful people on the beach for like 10 seasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's an element of campiness to his career that he's embraced. The idea of his moniker, the Hoff, don't hassle the Hoff. So now he has this audiobook called Up Against the Wall that he's co-written and that he narrates and also plays all of the characters in. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> and it just comes in in a very breezy eight hours, just under. <laughs> a very, it goes by like this. You know when you're a like. very swift eight hours. <laughs> when it's like Sunday afternoon, you want to relax. You're like, I feel like listening to an audiobook for eight hours. So the great news is I was telling Gene off air that I was checking the reviews on Audible. And people who love David Hasselhoff love this audiobook. So, okay, let me give you a quick synopsis of what this is about. Now, keep in mind. In the promos for this and in our interview, David Hasselhoff has stated that he doesn't know which part of this audiobook, <laughs> he, he can't recall exactly which parts of this audiobook are fiction and which parts are true to life. Okay, Mike, so bless us with the synopsis, please. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to paraphrase the audible synopsis. So the, the audiobook's called Up Against the Wall. Up Against the Wall! <laughs> <laughs> and um, it starts in uh, autumn of 1989, the waning days of the Cold War. The Cold and all through the audiobook is just Gina singing every sentence. A rogue Stasi colonel has acquired a nuclear bomb and threatens to level Berlin if and when the wall comes down. So what happens is you have this CIA agent named Nick Harper who has to come in and try to stop this rogue Stasi colonel from you know destroying Berlin and possibly the world because it's a nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, so however, this CIA agent, Nick Harper, realizes that his identity has been compromised once he gets there for his uh, his mission. Coincidentally, he also looks identical to David Hasselhoff in Could have 1989. Could compromised because he looks identical to David no, Hasselhoff? No, but, but his I, doppelganger status with David Hasselhoff actually saves his life uh, because he ends up in West Berlin where the real David Hasselhoff is there to perform, mm-hmm. uh, to sing. And so fans mistake the CIA agent for David Hasselhoff. They think, oh, this is the Hoff. Meanwhile, the real David Hasselhoff, who's also now in West Berlin, 
travels to East Berlin as a and tourist. And this confuse him for yes, the carpet. And they oh, think he God. is the agent. So now it's like, you know, the 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 real CIA agent is now everybody thinks he's David Hasselhoff. Now, that, that sounds again, possible. And so we'll repeat <laughs> David Hasselhoff is not quite sure which parts of the yeah. story are true mm-hmm. and which are fiction. Uh, it is up to you to decide. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I could see myself forgetting that type of event, too. You know, it happens all the time. But also, the CIA can't confirm or deny if someone is an agent. So you could oh. claim that you're a CIA agent, like Chuck Woolery did, right? Wasn't it Chuck Woolery? Chuck Woolery claims a lot of things we should be listening to. Who I think. wrote that book? The The movie that Confessions of um, of a Dangerous Mind is based on. I'll the George Clooney movie that Sam Rockwell starred in. It's a great movie. The guy uh, that did the gong show. Chuck oh, Lurie. yes. Um, no? Oh, yes. I know what you mean. Chuck Barris. Chuck Barris. Oh, my God. Thank you. Yes. Chuck yes. Barris. Um, right. Chuck Barris wrote this g- crazy gong book about him being a uh, CIA agent. But the CIA to this day can't confirm or deny that. And they can't do that about anybody because that's just their policy. So what you're saying is that I'm sitting here like, you know, being a smart ass joking about what could be true and what could not be true from this book. But David Hasselhoff could have been a CIA agent and yeah. would and no but even the CIA would not Right. And it. the CIA's greatest cover is the fact that it's so ridiculous, just like Chuck Barris. It's so ridiculous that he could be an agent that they wouldn't uh they can't confirm or deny, but we now no one believes it because it's such a crazy concept. But the CIA has have done some provable crazy, crazy things. So I honestly, I mean, and I sound like this out there, like wearing <laughs> aluminum hat, conspiracy theorist, but I honestly believe that like anything is possible when you involve the famed CIA. Oh, no. So we In need to get opinion. David Hasselhoff back on the phone then and ask him about this. He won't say if he if he is or not, if it's true or not. So when he's saying that, it's not just like a fun, like lighthearted way to promote the book, but he may actually be trying to get a message out there. Or, you know, like, hey. the guy needs help. <laughs> it's one or the other. <laughs> no. I don't think I think there's a third option, which is he's just he's a fun loving guy. And you, and Gina, will, which we're going to get to the interview in a sec. But Gina asked him about like how that campiness has sort of in, like, you know, become part of his brand. And yeah. I mean, we're laughing and joking about it here, but like but he knows this, too. Like he obviously he's joking about this stuff. And well, and we hope so. We will. We hope so. Unless <laughs> apparently he was a CIA agent. <laughs> And we're just not allowed to know. No, I'm telling you that I'm not saying he was. I'm just saying <laughs> you never know. Well, what do you say? We get to the interview and let yeah, the let's people Yeah, let's get decide? to it. This is um, Mike and mine. Yeah. Mike and my? Mike and my interview? Mike, you're the writer. Mike and I interview. <laughs> no. Here's our <laughs> interview with David Hasselhoff. <laughs> you shut it. It's time for the Hoff. I'm glad you guys could make it. <laughs> oh, we're busy bees uh, up little, here. But uh, yeah, we made time for you. In the morning. I, I've been doing this for two days now, trying to reach you guys. Where are you in Toronto? <laughs> we are in Toronto, yeah, buried under a little bit of snow up here. We both had uh, a chance to listen to uh, Up Against the Wall, so I wanted to just ask you, first of all. Hold on, Mike. It's Up Against the Wall. That's how, I, that's how I'm saying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what uh, what sounds was... like a porno, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it does open up with that wonderful '80s like good uh, metal rock guitar. It's great. Yeah, the metal rock guitar is actually looking for freedom, which is they uh, sold 11 million singles yeah. back in 1989. 
and uh, we they chose that because it's kind of a, indicative of, of what really happened and why this whole happened. This whole song and the whole Berlin experience and the whole book happened. I think has a relationship with the uh, with the song. What was it that? Sort of brought you to the to the point where you said, "I want to write and uh, and make this audiobook and tell this story." In 1989, I sang to a million people of uh, reunited in West Germans, and they were all singing, "Looking for Freedom," and it happened because they asked me to sing like the Dick Clark special on New Year's Eve. It's called the Sylvester Show. It's still going on, and I said, "Only if I can sing on the wall." And they said yes. I never expected them to say yes. And about uh, three or four months before that, I had gone behind the wall. Um, actually, six months before that, I'd, I'd gone behind the wall because I flew over the wall. And I saw this jagged snake of a, of a wall. And I went, wow. this is." And it was 400 kilometers long. And I said, what is that? They said, well, that's East Germany and East Berlin. And I said, it looks like black and white compared to the color of the rest of the world in Germany, and especially Berlin, because Berlin is so full of color and, and you know, very much uh, larger than life. And then you go across the border, it's black and white, and there's very few people. There's potholes. There's It was dark and gray, and, and people were were scared and frightened and, and, and wearing old clothing, and they were driving small, tiny cars called trappies. And so we um, got into a room with a writer who is really prolific at writing. His name is David Gordon, and he's incredible. He's written another a bunch of other books. And uh, so I, I listened to his books, and uh, one of his books with uh, Branson Pinchot reading, and I went, wow, that's really good, but the, I don't know if I can emulate that performance or, or do it because you've got to do five or six characters sometimes in the same paragraph. <laughs> so we decided to do it and uh, we came up with some crazy idea that is kind of fact or fiction and we leave it up to the the reader or the listener to decide what is true and what isn't true. And a lot of it, a lot of it is true and a lot of it is not. And it's fun. It's funny. It's campy. It's action. It makes you cry. But more importantly, it tells you what really happened behind the Berlin Wall from 1945 until uh, it was free on November 9, 1989. And I was a part of that. And, and I, I was a part of it because I was singing a song about freedom. And I went behind the wall and I met a lot of people for a special called National Geographic, David Hasselhoff versus the Berlin Wall. And they, they, I said, how do you know me? And they said, I've been looking for freedom, la, 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 la. And they, they could sing the first line of my song, everybody in East Germany, but they could not sing the second line because they didn't study English in school, they studied Russian. <laughs> and it was amazing. So I, the first time I went behind the wall, I met three girls, and they all recognized me and asked me for my autograph. And I said, how do you know me? You know me as the guy who talks to the car? And they said, they thought I was crazy. You talk to a car? And I said, um, well, how do you know me? And they said, you are the man who sings of freedom. And East Berlin was like, you know, going from Old Town to, you know, a busy street. It was like right there. And 
West Berlin was right across the street. And uh, I said, you can't go out to West Berlin. They said, no, you'll never get out. Um, they said, probably not in our lifetime, maybe when we get old like our grandparents. Uh. And so I asked the guy to take a picture of me outside with them because I, I was inside at the Grand Hotel, which was real posh and kind of tacky. And they would do that. They would have like a real tacky hotel, and then they would have an amazing studio for recording, and then the rest of the town would be horrible. And so I, I took a picture with them and said, come back here tomorrow. Maybe I can get it in the West, New- West Berlin newspaper, and I did. So I, I smuggled it back in met the three girls and said, here's a little piece of freedom. And they screamed and cried and ran away. And David came back with an idea for the book that and was really, it's almost as if when I was listening to it, I didn't know if it was real or not, if I did that or not. But a lot of it, I did. And a lot of it, um, he embellished and we made it into something that it, that I think is really entertaining, and uh, I didn't know my I didn't know how to do an audible book. I, I, the first couple of days, I was like, "Oh my God, this is horrible. This is hard," <laughs> and I had nobody there to go, "Hello, my name is Hildy. I love you, David." You know that that's the voice of Hildy who loves David Hasselhoff, and she su- suspects Nick Carter, who looks like David Hasselhoff to be David Hasselhoff, and Nick Carter is really a spy. And David Hasselhoff meets, hello, my name is Greta, and I'm a spy, and my favorite color is red. And David Hasselhoff says, well, my favorite color is blonde, thinking he's going to pick her up. And what a great pickup line, and that's not the right line that he's supposed to give to the spy. And so now David Hasselhoff is having to play a spy, and Nick Carter is having to play um, David Hasselhoff and doesn't know whether... He has two F's or two S's in his name and doesn't know how to sing and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's thereby the fun ensues. It's almost like, uh, you know, a combination of Dr. Strangelove meets it's a mad, mad, mad world because it's, there's a lot of craziness and campiness, but there's a lot of stuff that really still goes on in Berlin, especially the underground clubs and the the weird people that you see you see them in the clubs and uh, I spent a lot of time in Berlin I'm, I'm I'm opening my tour October 3rd which is the 30th anniversary yeah. of the reunification of Germany yeah I wanted to ask you about that actually because I mean it all ties in with up against the wall and and you're going to be going back to Germany 30 years after uh, you were there for the fall of the Berlin Wall what do you enjoy now uh, at this point in your career about touring and and visiting all these places and and how has it changed from when you were uh, you know earlier in your career and doing the same sort of thing the only way that it's changed is is that you know east berlin and east germany is now full of color and looks like the west but the people are the same the it's amazing they're still singing my song looking for freedom i'm like the one-hit wonder, they still want me to sing that song because a lot of people in the East, it meant a lot to them because it was, they were in prison and they were basically singing about their looking for freedom. And here was the Night Rider who was singing about that. And uh, the people in the West just thought it was a great song and I was fun and entertaining and I was the Night Rider who stepped out of the car and into the audience and grabbed people and sang along when when a lot of the uh the german musicians you know weren't really into that and um 
I always like to be a happy, sunny boy American. And um, and the fact that we're, we're releasing the book over there, actually in German on October 3rd, is, is only because it coincides with the wall uh, coming down and um, the reunification. But we wanted to make the book entertaining and fun and a, and a little bit about the Hoff. And, the, and it was really easy to do because... Uh, people don't call me David Hasselhoff anymore. They yeah. stop me in the world and they say, Hoff! And it's just, <laughs> just taken over. And so, of course, I'm David Hasselhoff, the father. I'm David Hasselhoff, the husband. I'm, a, I'm an actor first. And I'm acting when I'm, when I'm, when I'm doing this, this book. Yeah. And I'm acting when I'm on Knight Rider or Baywatch or the remake of Knight Rider, which hopefully will, will happen in, the, in this lifetime. <laughs> well, uh... And we'll see what happens. Well, Hoff, uh, since you mention it, uh, what do you think of Hoff. a possible... Uh... <laughs> You're calling me Hoff now? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm sorry, the Hoff. Um, speaking of Knight Rider... Hoff to you. Yes. Uh, Mr. Hoff, my apologies. <laughs> Sir Hoff? Right. So, uh, speaking of Knight Rider, which is one of my favorite shows and one of my all-time favorite theme songs, for sure, I'd like to know, what do you think that would be? Like a TV series or a film? What do you think your role might be in it? Or what are you pushing well, for? Well, my role right now is 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 I'm doing an album, that, and we're actually re- recreating the theme song as well as Ooh. about 20 other people are probably going to recreate it. Like David Guetta, they have, they've all said they they love the theme. In fact, uh, so many people have cut it on their ringtones, and um, the movie and the and the TV series. They're kind of like at neck and neck right now because Universal's trying to figure out, well, should we bring in a new Knight Rider? Do David Aswell be the star? Why don't you just be the father? And then there's another company that just inherited the rights, and they love me, and they, they want to do it my way, which is nostalgia comes into the real world, and it brings in all the people who used to love Knight Rider, like you, and then brings in their families and kids and says, this is what I watched growing up. And I still think the show, that franchise has got a huge following. I mean, I can't go anywhere without people stopping me going, Knight Rider, can I tell you my story? Knight Rider, can I tell you my story? (laughs) So it really affected people in their childhood in a, in a cool way and I'm, I'm proud of that so that sounds amazing I, st- I have a picture of myself as a kid on a little uh night rider like a little sort of plastic bicycle thing when i was like three or four I years had old yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> i had I a bunch too. of those in my attic oh, nice. <laughs> but i gave them all away i was doing a lot of work with sick children so i got 12 of each item right and then I, I filled up my garage, and then it was all gone. They were all gone because I gave them all away wow. to uh, kids. I wish I still had them. Yeah, so do I. Little night, little night rider tricycles, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I uh, remember my mom taking me to the store and being like, well, you want the Barbie tricycle? <laughs> I was like, no, actually, I want the night rider car. This is great. Of course. Funny. 100%. Funny. <laughs> I got- yeah, and I, went and I just recently saw. I recently saw a bunch of David, David Hasselhoff and, and uh, Pamela Anderson Barbies in a big bin, and they were, like, on sale for, like, you know, $24. So I bought the whole bin. They're all in my attic. A lot of David Hasselhoff's and Pamela Anderson's. <laughs> but uh, I, don't th- I don't know if there was ever a Knight Rider do- Yes, there was a Knight Rider doll. Oh, there yeah. Was. Yeah, there should sure. be. Yeah. But Up Against the Wall is something, if, you, if you're not into an audiobook, I already wasn't into audiobooks. I'm totally into them now. And um, 
I just order them, order them, and order them, and, and just listen to them when I'm working out or uh, in the car. And uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. You got eight hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's quite likely. <laughs> Goes on forever. <laughs> how long Try did reading it? Oh yeah, I was gonna God. say, how long did that take you to record that? Oh, for God's sakes! It was took me three, three two days of, of throwing the script across the the, the, the <laughs> hall, going, I can't do this, you know. And I talked to other people. They said Leonard Nimoy came in here, and he he hated this. He could only do three hours, and and then he would lose his mind. And I was doing like four to five hours, and I was losing my mind. And then I met other stars, you know, that said. They'll never do another one. And I said, yeah, I'm, yeah, but I'm contracted to do like seven more. And then, so we'll see if this is a hit. And, you know, it's a great form of entertainment. I hope that, to be honest, I hope that we can make this, the, the book, into a TV series. And I would play like the narrator. And, uh, and the Night Rider, I would be like the Devon character. So I would be the older guy, you know, who kind of calls the shots. But, yeah. uh, you know, say lines like, I can't run, I can't jump, I can't fight, but I can still drive. Get in. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, the book is Up Against the Wall. That's Very the book cool. on Audible. Yes. Yeah. Thank you right. so much, David. We really appreciate your time today. And congratulations again on the audiobook. All right, guys. See you soon. Good interview, us. Yeah. Pat's on back. <laughs> um, he was fun. Yeah, we weren't. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and, and in. You know, full disclosure, remember, we talked before the interview. We weren't sure how, you know, if he embraced the campiness of the sort of of, of his brand or if he was very serious about it. So we were happy to find out when we interviewed him that he totally embraces it. But when other people like myself call him a Hoff, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, you hassled the Hoff. I, yeah, uh, did I? You threw him a little Hoff balance, I think, when you called him the Hoff. God. Half Hoff, Mike, okay? I did my best. <laughs> No, he was. I. It was fun to talk to him about, uh, like when we were talking about our childhoods and how. No, Night Rider was. The yeah, best, you and I actually. both had the Night Rider tricycles, and like he remembers those tricycles and how he had Mike, a bunch I of them. I was himself. obsessed with Night Rider as a kid. Yeah, you, I didn't <laughs> I know this you about you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a love, a deep love for disco and electronica music, as I may have mentioned here once or a thousand times, and. Uh, that theme song, oh boy, oh baby, did that get into my head? And I still have that on my like workout playlist. I'm so good. That's right, you work out tonight, Ryder. Yeah, yeah, I do. I work out to lots of theme songs, but that one's there for sure. And um, uh, just the best. Just I loved the car. I loved uh, the leather jacket. I loved everything. I loved. It. I loved it. Yeah. I gotta ask you one day, what are the best television theme songs to work out to? Dynasty Dallas Night Rider <laughs> done. No, there's a few more. It's, it's, so anyway, it's interesting too with David Hasselhoff how he's like he's going on tour now in Germany as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he's not coming to, to Canada, but hopefully, he'll make it here at some point. But uh, we were talking earlier about his career too, how it's, it it has been so varied. And you look at what he's what he did like Baywatch. He started Baywatch. It had like a decade long run. He started it when he was 37. Yeah. So that's when he started. He started at age 37. So by the time it was over, he was like through his mid to late 40s, you know, running around on the beach. I think it was 10 years. The yeah, original it, was, Baywatch it was a decade. Yeah, yeah, basically. And then he did. There was like other. you know. And then Baywatch uh, Hawaii Nights. Bay, Baywatch Nights. That and Baywatch Hawaii Hawaiian, Nights? No, there was Baywatch Hawaiian Wedding. Oh, yeah. I, I think I saw that movie. actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> why I know all this, I don't know. But. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable, actually, when you think about it. Like, 
Here's a guy who made a career of, oh, first I'll be a soap opera actor. Then I'm going to be in a show where I can just talk to a really cool car. And yeah, then yeah. I'm going to spend a decade And self-crimes, running, Mike. Okay. Yeah, and self-crimes. And then I'm going to spend a decade running on a beach and like <laughs> lounging in the sun and, you know, <laughs> around all these beautiful women. Like, this guy should be like a career coach. Okay, so that was the Hoff. Now let's jump into Billy Baldwin. Billy Baldwin, yeah. One of the uh, the famed Baldwin brothers. Uh, no cool nickname like the Hoff. But the cool wife in China Phillips. Cool wife in China. And a cool dude, nonetheless. Yeah. The guy was uh, awesome. He was really sweet. Uh, we, we met up with him down uh, at the CBC building in Toronto. Unfortunately, Gina wasn't there for mm-hmm. this one. You were. Uh, I was on vacation from you, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> You're very stressful, you know. I drove her away. <laughs> so she was somewhere nice and lovely, and I was here drove in Drove me to Toronto. a beach and a pina colada is what you did. <laughs> anyway, so you interviewed uh, him at CBC for his new show. Yeah, it's called Northern Rescue. Uh, it's on CBC Gem. Uh, it's streaming and also on Netflix. And uh, if you haven't checked it out already, he uh, plays a, a widower who moves his family up north. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a little bit confusing because you, it seems like it's like northern Canada, like northern Ontario, I mean. But the show doesn't really specify if it's Canada or America. So it's it, anyway. Oh, is it one of those things where it's like, this could be Oregon? You yeah, don't know. Like it, so, yeah, like it, it's, I think it starts, it's very specifically in America at the beginning when his wife passes away. But then when they move up north to live with her sister, to, so the sister can help Billy Baldwin's character raise his three children, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, while he also works as a, uh, uh, what do they call it? Search and rescue. Yeah. Like uh, somewhere north, essentially. Yeah. So anyway, it, it's filmed Very in fair. Perry Sound, okay. Ontario. Got it. And uh, and yeah, so he he was spending. I mean, you you were away on vacation on the beach. He spent last summer just chilling out on the beaches in Perry Sound in between filming. He talked about how much he loves Perry loved Sound's it. beautiful. I've been there. Yeah, yeah, and and we were joking that Billy's kind of the uh, the Canadian Baldwin brother mm-hmm. because he's in Toronto and, and across Canada so often for his movies and TV shows. He he just started rhyming off all of these places that yeah, he's filmed, yeah. and and it's really cool too, actually, because we don't talk about it a lot in the interview. But if you uh, do a search online, he does a ton of charity work, Ontario particularly with Sick Kids Hospital mm-hmm. like every year. I think it's been going on like 10 years now. He yeah. like, comes here for some like boat races in Muskoka and, and other for the Sick Kids and I believe other charities as well. Like he's That's so really nice to hear. involved. Yeah. Really involved. It's not just a, oh, I came to Toronto once and I tell the same story about it every time I get out. No, he's been here like, what did he say, 20 times or f- a lot? Yeah, yeah. Over the last Actually, like 20 years that, yeah. uh, or 30 years and then also uh, across Canada mm-hmm. filming. You look at his uh, his history. He's used to playing heroes, including Backdraft, which is one of his most famous movies. Oh yes, J- fun fact, Mike. Do you know he turned down Thumb and Louise for Backdraft? Did he really? Yes, he was supposed to be obviously the Brad Pitt character, not the Gina Davis character, but um, <laughs> which in turn made Brad Pitt famous, obviously. Right. But um, that was his big break. But Baldwin was cast in that role originally, and then got Backdraft. Wow. Obviously, was the lead. In a big Hollywood film? I mean, I don't blame him. How do you not make that choice from being in a supporting role to being a star in this big film with Kurt Russell and De Niro and huge cast? Yeah, exactly. And it's still like his most famous movie. Like when you think of... Really? You would say so? Yeah, I don't think there's. I mean, he's have been... you seen? Have you not seen Fair Game with Cindy Crawford? How dare you! <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a great movie. I mean, it's awful. It's an awful movie, and she's like her performances. Oh, buddy. 
Yeah. Oh boy, it is fun. Sliver. I remember watching Sliver when I was. But Sliver's not as fun. Fear Game is like ridiculously bad. That it's a fun, fun, fun movie to watch, especially with a group of people. If if you're if you're into that type of thing, I highly recommend it for that for that kind of movie. But uh, Sliver's not as fun. But Backdraft for me, a little boring. You? Um. Yeah, I saw it a long time ago. I don't yeah. remember being like, oh my god, I need to rewatch this. Yeah, but, is that Ron Howard? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. 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 But I mean. So, yeah. It's still to me. I think it's his most well-known movie. Like when, okay. uh, anyway. But I mean, in this show, yeah. in Northern Rescue, uh, he really does come off like a very fatherly type, and it seems like a role that really fits him. Like he's, he can be tender, but he's also like a take charge uh, sort of guy that'll come, you know, save you when you're stuck out on a pontoon boat in the middle of the lake up north. Oh yeah, that's the perfect kind of guy to come save you, tender and in charge. <laughs> tender that's and right. Charge. I'll take it any day of the week. Okay, so let's jump right into Mike's interview with Billy Baldwin. Let's just jump right in and talk about Northern Rescue. Uh, what was it that attracted you to this show in the first place? Work. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, there's a lot of variables that go into it. Uh, my friend Bradley Walsh is a, a Toronto-based uh, director and producer, and he called me and said he was developing this idea with uh, Don Carmody and Don Carmody Productions. Mm-hmm. And it was a family drama, and the character, the lead char- one of the lead characters in the ensemble was the father of this family. He was a search and rescue commander. He loses his wife, and... He's struggling to figure out how to strike the proper balance of being the mother and the father and a search and rescue commander, the provider for the family. And uh, I was drawn to, um, I was drawn to the character. I was drawn to the concept. I was drawn to the fact that Netflix is is, uh, interested in moving more heavily into family drama. Of course, CBC has had a home there for many, many yeah. years. Netflix is, uh, is interested in, in moving into that space, yeah. if you will. So um, we pitched it to CBC. They seemed to like it. it the pitch went very well. And then uh, they had this co-pro concept where we went out to L.A. and pitched it to Netflix. And we were off and running. We shot the first season up in Parry Sound, and we were there at the right time of the year. We were there June, July, yeah. August, and September. And we had a terrific melding of uh, mostly uh, Toronto-based crew, but we hired a bunch of local people in the um, the, the Parry Sound, but the greater sort of Muskoka area. Right, and just um, judging from the the first episode, which I was seeing, I mean, so much of your role involves the the parenting aspect, and as you mentioned, taking on the role of mother and father, mm-hmm. and your family's going through this um, seismic shift. How much uh, of your own experience as a parent, uh, a father of three, have you brought to this role? Oh, quite a bit. I think my kids are going to... A lot of times I play stuff that's not too far from who I am, but I play play a cop. I've never been a cop. I play a fireman. Yeah. Uh, I'll play a politician. Uh, Here, I'm playing a search and rescue commander, uh, emergency services. Uh, but more what's at the heart of the character in the show is that he's a dad. And um, I draw a lot from, I don't know how it turned out this way, but there's a girl, boy, girl, uh, and I have girl, boy, girl, 18, 
uh, 17 and 14, which were 17, 16, and 13 oh, wow. when we started the show last year. So they kind of modeled it after the, the experience that China and I have. And, you know, uh, it, it's interesting to know what your role is and to know how to stay in your lane as a parent. And I, there's, when it comes to health and wellness and, and uh, illness and stuff like that, I completely leave it to my wife. And when it comes to tutoring and academics and college and whether you're taking AP courses <laughs> and communicating with the teachers and stuff like that, that's the hat, you know, that's the major hat that I wear. So when my wife goes on the road with her band, the kids literally eat pizza five nights in a row. And if they get a cold <laughs> or a cough, I take the, I take the uh, cough medicine with codeine and it's pres prescribed to give you like one teaspoon. And I give them like five tablespoons because I have no <laughs> desire to be dealing with a sick kid at three o'clock in the morning. I'd rather just drug them and knock them out until their mother gets home. Then their mother can like rub their back at three in the morning and rub their feet and, you know, do sing them lullabies like she used to. I'm like, no, just take this medication, go back to bed, leave me alone, okay? Um, so now I've got to do all of it all the time because I've lost the character. John West has lost his wife, yeah. who is played really, really wonderfully by Michelle Nolden. We have a terrific cast. I'm the only American in the cast or the crew. Oh, wow. Uh, everybody's from the, the Parry Sound in Toronto area and the crew. And um, it's an all-Canadian cast except for me. It's, it's uh, Michelle Nolden plays my wife and Kathleen Robertson plays her sister and my, my sister-in-law. Right. She's amazing. Uh, Kathleen is amazing. Uh, such a terrific talent and such a really interesting career. She's got a big time A-list write, writing career going on as well. She's writing projects right now for uh, Julia Roberts. She's writing a project for J Charlize Theron and a couple of others. She just picked up another big movie. I think it might be a studio movie. So wow. how she has time to squeeze us in, yeah. you big shot. <laughs> and, uh, and then, of course, there's Amalia Williamson and um, Spencer McPherson yeah. and, and Taylor Thorne, who round out the ensemble cast with the show. And, I mean, you've, uh, aside from this project, you've had a lot of um, experiences up here in Canada, working up here, mm -hmm. coming up here uh, for charity work mm -hmm. and, and other things. I mean, what are some of your favorite memories or, or reminiscences of being up here in Canada? Well, I, I love it up here. I mean, the, the expertise... And the excellence with filmmaking is, you know, unparalleled. They're as good as, they're better than everybody in the world. They're just as good as Bollywood. They're just as good as Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, and it's been that way for a long time. Um, you know, uh, very polite. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I saw during the, uh, I saved these political cartoons, and I found this one when I'm always searching for my cartoons, but... It's, it was during the whole Trump build the wall thing. It was a cartoon that said Mexican standoff, and it had two guys with like bandoleros and and sombreros on, pointing guns at each other. It was adjacent to another cartoon that said Canadian standoff, and it was somebody holding a door, and they were both saying, "No, after you, no, after you, no, no, after you, no, please, after you." <laughs> and I saved that. One. I've got that on my phone somewhere. Off the sentence. It's just hilarious. Mexican standoff and Canadian standoff. Um, That's accurate. I, I have made films from sea to shining sea in Canada. I've made them in St. Stephen's, uh, Quebec, Montreal, Sudbury, Parry Sound, Toronto, uh, Winnipeg, Calgary, uh, Banff, uh, Lake Louise, uh, and of course Vancouver. Yeah. I've made one or two projects in Montreal. I've probably made more than a half a dozen, pushing ten, 
more than a half a dozen in Vancouver and probably 15 projects I've done here oh, wow. in Toronto, not including Parry Sound and not including, I'd have to check my IMDb, yeah. but I, I, I have to have done 20 different projects here. And I've done a lot of, forget all the fundraising, I did a lot of stuff in, in, uh, in uh, Banff Hot Springs and Chateau Lake Louise and here for, for, uh, for Sick Kids I do a car rally right. every November and a boat rally in Muskoka every July. And I've done those events for uh, Sick Kids Geez, I don't think it's ten years yet, but it's getting close. Wow, so you're you're practically like an honorary Canadian. I am. At no, this there's point. no doubt. There's no doubt. <laughs> I mean, I, I with this show, I I'm paying my Canadian taxes. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, and it's it's just great. I mean, I've watched this town change so much. When I first started coming here, I don't think the population of Toronto was two million. Oh wow. Thirty years ago, what was the population yeah. of Toronto? When I first started coming here, they told me the population of Toronto was like a million and a half, pushing, heading towards two million. Yeah, I could now, see that. What is the the greater area when you go all the way up to Vaughan? <sighs> yeah, I was going to say it's up there. With it's like nine, eight or, or nine. Okay, yeah, so then like forget that. that. What's the city proper? Is it three, three? I think and it's half? three and a half, something like that. It's pushing yeah. four. Yeah. I wonder what the population was if it was that low thirty years ago. Could could this city have tripled in? population in 30 years tripled uh i mean the, the number of condos and housing that's been built in just the last five ten well, years just, i love it i love yeah. it i love it i i love the people and i love the film industry and i love the culture and i love the food the food has just exploded in this town yeah and you got some good sports teams here too yeah you know, between the raptors are pretty damn good and mm. the jays are always you know always they're scrapping. okay yeah they're leafs are coming competing. up and uh I'm a Yankee fan. We just got AJ a. Hap? A uh, J Hap. J What's his name? J A Hap. J A Hap. I was going to yeah. say AJ Hap. Uh, he's a good, <laughs> we needed a lefty. And, um, uh, you know, the, the people are just really, really super cool. Canadians are a little odd. You know, their sense of humor and their sensibility is a little off. It's not, and it's good. It's, it's, it's rooted in like intellect in a way that I like, but it is weird. I did this movie once with um, Quentin Tarantino because it was called Curdled. And it was about this woman's infatuation with a serial killer, and she winds up applying for a job with a local cleaning service that the coroner hires to clean up a crime scene after they've conducted oh. the investigation. And she wants to be closer to the serial killer, and she wants to study him because she's so infatuated and sort of enthralled by him. And I played this like dashing, dapper serial killer, and. Um, and it's very dark and twisted. It was called yeah. Curdled. It's very dark and twisted. And I can't tell you how many times I get stopped and say, people say to me, you're my favorite movie of yours. I love Flatliners and I love Internal Affairs and I love Backdraft. And I get a lot of I love Backdraft. And every, every once in a while I get somebody coming and go, you want to know what my favorite movie was? And I'll, I'll go, Backdraft? And I'm like, no. Curdled. No one's ever even heard of Curdled. They're like, Curdled. I'm like, where are you from in Canada? And they're like, how did you know that? Because Canadians love like dark, twisted, smart humor, don't they? Yeah, I think I mean, so. You've had yeah. some of the greatest comedians, and some of the darkest comedians, absolutely, in the history of the world. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey doesn't yeah. get more dark and more brilliant than that guy. Yeah, and I mean dark, you know, as a compliment. He's a very He's terrifying. He's so he's scary how, how talented he is. Yeah. And I mean, you you brought up Backdraft, and I read that you're working on a sequel. Yeah, we shot it. We shot it in May. We're done. It's in the can. So don't know. I'm going to find out this week when when they're releasing it. And also with the it's, Canadian it's a Universal. Donald's it's a Universal um, Netflix production too. Oh, right, it's, right, it's a yeah. Universal Netflix co-pro, yeah. And with Canadian Donald Sutherland. 
Yes, yeah. yes. I was, we were reunited. <laughs> well, and, what was uh, that like, like 20 amazing. years ago? I just yeah. did, you know, a while ago now, like 10 years ago, I did a, a show called Dirty Sexy Money for right. ABC. And I played Patrick Darling, the scion of the family, the politician. He was a mm-hmm. senator running for president. And he played my father, who was kind of, his, he had a great name. His name was Trip Darling. Oh, okay. And he was kind of a Joe Kennedy type of character. And uh, I just had, the, that's a show I could have done for 10 years. Yeah. We got hit hard with the... Uh, economic downturn mm. in 2008, 2009. We, we ran the uh, half a season in 2007. The writer's strike ended the first season, and then we did a second season in 2008. And every day on the way to work, the radio kept saying the greatest economic crisis since the Great Depression. You'd hear that like 15 times yeah. a day. And ABC, you know, I, I guess rightfully so, you know, kind of panicked and pulled a plug on, on that. And every show that was on their slate that season. Mm. The only show that survived was the spinoff um, from Grey's Anatomy. I think it was called Private Practice. Uh, Sounds familiar, something like that, yeah. I think they're still on the air. Uh, But we had a number of big shows that were on the air, Cashmere Mafia and Big Shots and a show called Pushing Daisies that was Mm -hmm. absolutely the biggest critical darling of that season. Everything got wiped out because of the, uh, the, 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 the Wall Street meltdown. But to go back to this character, like 20 years later, mm-hmm. what is that like for you as an actor? And, and especially this role, I mean, people love, like you said, the first one. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, it's like, you know, this isn't the kind of film that you put into, you know, a time capsule and shoot it into space and never to be touched again. It's not like it was, you know, on the waterfront or something. Sure. But it was a great little movie, and Ron did a group, and made, everybody did, but especially Ron Howard. It's just so wonderful. And so they came up with a really good, when they, t- I'm like, okay, all these years later, like, walk me through how we're going to do this. And they came up with this great storyline of, you know, I won't give away too much, but when Kurt Russell's character dies in the original, mm-hmm. S- Stephen Bull McCaffrey, he leaves behind a son who's like eight or nine years old. And here we go, you know, 25 years later, he's like a 29, 30 year old uh, fireman. Much like the father, you know, Apple falls very close to the tree, big chip on his shoulder, quasi estranged from, from my character, Brian McCaffrey. And you'll see some moments that are reminiscent of the first one, but it won't be Brian and Steven. It'll be, yeah. be it won't be brother to brother. It'll be, you know, uncles and nephew. Right. And, um, and it was, that production had some challenges because the original one we did in 1991 for probably 40 to $45 million. And this one we did 30 years later for probably $8 million. So yeah. it presents, we took advantage of a lot of, you know, tax credits and stuff like that. It'll probably look like a $20 million film on the screen. And the original writer, uh, Greg Wyden, uh, came back to, to uh, I think he's co-producing and he, he wrote this screenplay too. Yeah. And I know we got to go. I just wanted to ask you very quickly, one last Canadian connection because everybody's talking about uh, your niece Haley and Justin Bieber and their marriage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you've been married for, I think, 24 years now, you and China? I'm married uh, 22 years, going on 23, 23 years, going on 24. Yeah. And, and together, 28 in April, which is amazing, and yeah. and in particular, yeah. as as everybody always says, like a show business. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, talked to Haley about that. You know, yeah, like what sort of advice you have? They've been friends for a long time. They've been kids, and Stephen and Kenya have been friends with Haley's mom and dad for on and off for years. And they go to church together, and they go bowling together. They have pictures of them bowling together when they, when Haley was like 12 or 13 years old. They've known each other for a long time. They've become very close and very good friends. Um, 
uh, in recent years, and they've been dating sporadically on and off for yeah. a couple of years. And they're they're just a crazy cool young couple. They're madly in love, and uh, and uh, I told them, you know, you have an uncle who and an aunt who have been in a showbiz uh, relationship for 28 years and we've raised three kids and I know what it's like to be married to someone who's a lead singer in a band and who yeah. goes on the road and has, you know, Grammy nominations and number one singles and sold millions of records. And if you ever want to, if you ever need advice, I don't know, you know, just don't be afraid to, yeah. don't hesitate. Well, Billy, thank you so much. You. And congratulations again on the show. Thank you. We're back. Good job, Mike. You know, when you're sitting across from Billy Baldwin and he's got that like Baldwin squint and the Baldwin sort of whisper voice and and the Baldwin eyes and the Baldwin eyes, uh, you fall in love, Mike. It sounds like Mike fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't fall in love, but eventually, every once in a while, you get you're listening to the question, the answer to your question, and you get lost in it, and then you yeah you go to say like so any you know. Billy, but you have to like remind. Wait, wait, it's Billy. It's not Alec. It's not Stephen. It's not Daniel. It's Billy. Like because they're all because his voice is so similar. Yeah, just yeah, the voice and the eyes. Like, squint. Mostly like he reminds me the most of Alec. So yeah, he does. And, look and you're, a lot you're so used to like seeing him, Alec yeah. everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. So kind of just. He me... still does look like a young Alec Baldwin. Like okay, Alec Baldwin's face has changed actually quite a bit. I find over the years, yeah. early like '80s Baldwin looks a lot like Billy Baldwin. Yeah, I could see that. Is it just me? Uh, no. I don't know if he's like exactly like him. I wouldn't well, mistake anyways, the two. They're good but, looking guys. And both of them were like, m- look like models. And actually, yeah. Billy was a model when oh, he yeah. was younger. So, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, one of my favorite parts of that, I mean, we were talking about his Canadian connections before. One of my favorite parts of this interview was when he started talking about that movie Curdled. Yeah. That I'd never, I hadn't heard of before. I think I had seen a trailer for that before. Yeah, I looked it up Back after. in my video store days, yeah. And it it looks like everything he said it is. But It uh, actually looks kind of fun, to yeah. be honest. It looks very 90s VHS type. It's of, very campy, yeah. But I mean, whatever. It, type it, of movie, but it looks fun, yeah. I just love that he knew he could tell that you're Canadian <laughs> if you love that yeah. movie. <laughs> I could see that. All right, so we should mention... That uh, the Up Against the Wall, David Hasselhoff's audiobook is available on audible.ca. Up Against the Wall! If you order now, you can get a special edition that has Gina singing like that. Mm-hmm. Not actually, don't actually order it for that. Uh, Speak that for would be yourself. <laughs> if you send us an email, maybe Gina can just send you an audio file. Um, and also, Northern Rescue. Or is... I'll come to your house and do it. There you go. I have nothing else to do. <laughs> And Northern Rescue is streaming now on CBC Gem and on Netflix. Northern Rescue! Does that work? It's not quite no. The same. That, How about Curdled? No. Curdled! <laughs> Actually, Curdled does work like that works. in the 80s. If you, if you guys are lost with what we're doing, it's like the 80s guitar, like a uh, metal type of singing. With the it's my 90s, favorite. Curdles from the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is Hoff the Rails. Uh, it show. certainly is. Well, this was a fun one. It was. It was. Yeah. Where can uh, <laughs> where can listeners find more of these engaging <laughs> report reportees back and forth? Well, yeah. glad you asked that, Mike. You can find us on everythingzoomer.com and um, also you ages and icons. And also, uh, you can find our podcast pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. I don't know. I might be missing some something. but And this isn't even a joke, but David Hasselhoff tried to launch his own social media website called oh, yeah. Hoff Space. 
Mm-hmm. It was a takeoff on MySpace, but it would actually, it's called Hofspace, where you could join and have an account like you would have on MySpace or Facebook or whatever. Brilliant so idea. Had okay. Hofspace taken off. It made off, millions of dollars. Oh, it didn't we, take off. No, it did not. Uh-oh. Shockingly. I, uh-oh. I have, I have money invested in there. <laughs> but if. <laughs> if I call my guy. If Hofspace had taken off, taken yeah. Hof. Then we would also be available on Hofspace. Oh, ages and icons. Wow, Mike, that was a long <laughs> that was a way long way around. that joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should oh, probably boy. just thank David Hasselhoff for his time, and we really enjoyed the interview, David. We 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 had a lot of fun talking. So thank you. The Hoff's and best dream come true. Yeah, he was. It was a blast. It was a dream come true for Gina. Thanks for making our dreams <laughs> really come true. Was. That's what we're all about here at Ages and Icons. And uh, also, Billy Baldwin, thank you for your Mm -hmm. time as well. And to everybody listening, to Gina, and uh, we'll see you next time on Ages and Icons. How do I, how can I work in goodbye and Hoff and (sighs) Hafida Sang? Hafida Sang. Like Alvida Sang? Alvida Sang. <laughs> what is that? Hof, and yeah. then Alvita Sein means goodbye in German. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't Why know, would that? I know that. <laughs> Everyone knows Alvita Sein. Alvita Sein. It's what? Aren't you a fan of Sound of Music? Yeah. Goodbye, farewell, Alvita Sein. But that does work. You don't the know German and I know yeah. the German in Hof. Well, if you can't get it, no one's gonna get it. I'm too smart for my own good. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.